0: G'day and welcome to the Hunter's Campfire Podcast. My name's Mark and along with good mate Ian, we're here to help with all things hunting. If you're looking to start but don't know where to begin, you want to make the most of your next trip away or even plan a hunt of a lifetime, we've got something for you. You'll find our podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon and plenty of others. And if you want more, head over to our YouTube channel. hunters campfire where we have plenty of how-to and hunting videos along with the full video production of every podcast don't forget to like and subscribe and good hunting ah i think i know what you're going to say okay enlighten me what you think i'm going to say because that's a very dangerous thing to actually Try and bet on, because I could just uh, say fucking anything. Yeah. Like, go content. Ahead, content. Yeah, he, nice. likes, he likes New to talk. Thing.
1: Right. So uh, here we are. We're, we're back. Hey, fellas, what's going on? Anything interesting on a winter afternoon? Other than the fact it's bloody um, hot.
0: Stinking hot down here as well, that's for sure. Jesus. Yep, i just come back from Little Athletics with my sons, and they, um, they weren't really into it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I jumped yeah. in the pool earlier, and it was like jump in the bath. It was not yeah. pleasant. Oh, no, they, well, they I mean, weren't what in in they
0: yeah just so them I'm I'm in the pool. pool
1: Yeah, I can't do That's... public pools anymore. It's just the worst. Oh, in no, one. no, yours, yours no. no. Got in
0: there. Oh, I've got my own pool. Yes. No, yeah. we, we joined a we joined a club that has pools, but they mate, the kids come out cleaner when they go in. There's like a dip. <laughs> Yeah. If, if you get it if you get it northerly you can smell it you go oh yeah well, it's, it's, it's uh, so, so oh it just comes out shiny look at that and they're all blonde uh, oh right. yeah it works alright and not from and not from the chlorine either it's uh, like a dip no, 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 like, it's a I'm kid's do it. dip do it. <laughs> no uh, nothing in that pool there's nothing in that pool that would harm you that's very for sure. very large like, when I went to
1: a public pool they had three brown alerts in half an hour. Oh, oh, man. man oh,
0: no, no I, I must admit, I've, that I've, I've heard disgusting. the joke. I've never seen that.
1: Haven't you? <laughs> well, my friend, come to Toowoomba no. and go to the pool. Man, what public, what public pool do you to
0: it's, it's Toowoomba. It's disgusting. I can't. I can't. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, I, well, I, <laughs> that, that, that oh. could scar someone. That could scar someone.
1: Yeah. I've been <laughs> back. Not once ever.
0: Not, not happening. I'm going to put my own pool in.
1: And suffer yes.
0: through
2: maintenance
0: for the next twenty years. Yeah. It's actually not that no, far to be honest. No, we actually there's as I said, there's a, a a club close by and they've got three pools and we joined it this year for, for summer holidays and we've been every weekend and as I said, the boys no longer have anything like ear infections or anything like that. They're just clean. They come their fingernails are translucent white. It's got that much chemicals in it. <laughs>
1: oh god it's bad it's so bad anyway mm. when i had to talk about Paul's, um we were talking about binos is what we were yes we were about.
0: and you were uh, going to guess was, what i was going to
1: say the lucky the lucky recipient of uh of uh the the steiner uh laser rangefinder binos which are just awesome i'm really happy with them um but i was mark was going to tell me some fancy feature um I should put what I think it is in the chat because Mark doesn't know how to use the chat. We'll see if I'm right.
2: right let's do it. Go for it. I
0: know it's how to use
1: the chat. I just don't look at it. Well, don't, well he's going to look at it now. He can't help I want to send John it. I'm,
0: Okay. I'm looking at the chat like and nothing's happening.
1: Anyway. All right. Um, talk amongst yourselves. I'm going to send John a Oh,
0: okay. I was just like a test. Yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking yeah, about. It's now, I understand. I understand now. I understand now. Okay. I'm relying on Mark's so integrity, not tr- just to come up with
1: some weird random stuff now.
0: No, no, no. I wasn't. And it's so uh, whilst you guys are doing that, about those binoculars, they are Steiner Predator LRFs, laser, laser rangefinders in 10 by 42. I know all this because I own a pair myself. Um, for whatever reason, those Steiner binoculars, that's uh, as the Predator series, are uh, just fantastic. Uh, the there's you can still buy the old non-laser rangefinder Predators. Why are they cheapest chips now? They're hmm. cheapest chips. So if you're looking for, uh, you know, you, you're looking, you know, price conscious, and people hmm. are going, should I buy Vortex? Should I buy this? I'd go to those things. They're fantastic. I did a review. Brett once sent me like five pairs of binoculars to review. And I can tell you after about the, you know, fourth one, you kind of start to, to, it becomes a bit of a drag. But what I found was those predators, which were the cheapest ones were I thought were the best bang for buck. And so I yeah. was pretty happy when they brought out the laser range finder and they are, they're a fantastic piece of glass. and yeah, they're Very, um, very
1: clear. But I was talking to someone mm-hmm. this morning about them. It was like, what are they like compared oh, this afternoon? Hendo, I was talking Hindo, and Hendo, um, and he said, well, What are they like compared to your other ones? I said, They're bloody crystal clear, unbelievable, but I'm mm. comparing it to my Zeiss Terrors that are covered in blood, dust, and sweat, um, <laughs> probably never been cleaned in six or seven years. Um, so they're, they're pretty damn good, brand new out of mm. the box. Um, mm. um, on that subject, I'll, I'll throw those Zeiss Terrors. Upon the page for sale now. No, they're not—they're not, um, not going to
2: sell.
1: shit come for free, team. It's just the way it'll be. <laughs> Brown alert! Brown alert! Brown alert! Brown alert! Goodbye! Goodbye! Good I'm <laughs> saying goodbye to them. Uh, someone will get a cheap pair of decent binos. They're good. Yeah, Zast is a good brand. Yeah, that's good. Good
0: product. So what I found with them? So when I so so started with when I was hunting in the scrub. Okay, so I missed all that. So what yeah, I was going to say was, around, but... I was, when I, like you, I got the binos like a day before I was going away. And I was going down to uh, Bathurst or past Bathurst to hunt with Gemma back in February. So I got them at home and I set them up here at home, put the battery in and did all that stuff and had a little bit of a play with them. But I was staying at um, Mudgy that night. So I drove down. Got to the place I was staying at, and sitting on the floor, and I was trying to tuning them there at night, you know, getting them ready for the first day hunt. So I was playing around with them, and when I went, so the first day I was out with Gemma, and we spotted some goats, and I said, let's just watch these goats, and we spoke about goat behavior and stuff like that, and watched them. And when I picked up the binocs to range them, I couldn't, that didn't work. And I went, oh. Bugger, something's gone wrong here. So I was playing around undoing the batteries and doing this stuff and they wouldn't work. And I was going, fantastic. And then for some luckily, I pushed the button and I saw I held them at a different a slight different angle and I saw them illuminate. Huh. And I went, What illuminated? What? So what I yeah, the little, you know, the little reticle inside the, the oh, illumination, inside. the little display came up again. Yeah. <clears throat> but I didn't have them again, I just kind of went, Oh, there's a flash of red there. And what I realized was when I set them up the night before, the I set them up for night. So the little red was, was pretty low,
2: okay.
1: you know, because oh, oh,
0: it, oh. it was nice and bright. The brightness but in the bright, bright sunlight, you can't see that red. So I, I literally, you know, kind of had a – I hear it come. So they were working. They just weren't set at the right illumination for daytime use. So, yep. you know, in the afternoon and evening, they were fantastic. So that's what it was. So that was the thing I learned about them is that you have to set them up for a, a daytime illumination, which actually has to be brighter to, to um, you know, counteract the, the amount of light gathering they get. The other little trick that I found with them it is comes. that in the morning, when it's still just on um, dawn, if you hit the illumination you can see better.
1: Well, this is what you were so saying. You and oh, okay. it, it kind of yeah. brightens introduce the, a bit more light into the yeah. lens.
0: So, you know, you, if you think you're looking at something, you go, actually, that it it brings more light into the lens and you can see uh, better in early light with them.
1: Hmm, that's not what I thought you were going to say. So uh-huh. uh, I stand corrected. Uh, I was going to say that they have the ability in hunt mode because they have a hunt mode to, mm. um, capture the distance of an object through scrub layer. So yeah. it, it can pass through the scrub to a solid target rather than capturing the waving scrub in front of you, which I thought was a pretty nice little feature. Um, was I'm going to test cool. that this weekend and see how that works out. But uh, I thought that was a pretty nice,
0: pretty nice feature. Mm. Pretty it's cool. something to do with reflective and non-reflective, um, bounce mm. back. Because so I had mm-hmm. a range, I recently um, reviewed a rangefinder that actually separated. So you know, on a reflective object, it's this distance. On a non-reflective object, it's actually it's actually not the same distance. So I must work on something like that. The one downside of those um, LRFs is you have to look for a, a different style of um, clamp if you're going to put them on a tripod. Yeah. Because okay. because the yeah. knurl that usually unscrew that you put attachment to, that's actually the battery case. That's actually the battery. So you can't do that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've just got a, uh, this basically like a clamp system that runs over the top of them and they use that, that works fine. Uh, can you did so... Spartan, did Spartan, Spartan do the one that goes around? Yeah, but the trouble is you've got to have the – I was looking at Spartan and I was trying to think, how can I get the Spartan and drill a couple of holes in it and actually make it to use a standard tr- tripod mount so I wouldn't have to... – I could use a, like a, um, you know, a standard camera uh, plate. Um, that's. why I was looking at that with the Spartan because that would be good if you could get a clamp-on ring and you could put a standard um, tripod plate on it, then you wouldn't have to worry about it. You could run the cam a a camera and the binos off the same, off the same, um, uh, tripod. I see the, um, I see the, the
1: rings that I looked at, they've got a little, um, base plate on the ring that, um, clamps into your tripod, right. Into like where your camera would normally clamp into it, but it was made like a wall mount, like a (laughs) peak design size. Little square. That's the ones I was looking at. Oh, okay. I
0: haven't seen one that actually. The that. one I saw was more of a, like a socket. I'm looking. Yeah. Oh. So yeah, I want something no, that well, would this be is around and, and,
1: and that would be good if you had that type of mount. But like the tripod I have has the has the plate for the big yeah, camera on it. That's it. There's no way, no way you're going to have a plate sitting on the bottom of your binos. You never get them back binos. in your bino rig. So no. Oh,
0: I'm going to have to. Start looking around to see what options there are. That's it, because the one the the easy option is the one that I've got, which is basically uh, a a plastic plate that goes. It's, it's you you put it sits easily on your bino. Uh, sorry, on your tripod, and it just has a strap, and you just literally strap it over, and that straps them onto the onto the onto the tripod. Oh,
2: so it sits on top of
0: the plate. So it's like a cradle, plastic cradle, with with a strap, and you put them on that, and then you just Velcro them over the top. And because of where the controls are, you can actually move them quite forward, and it's still stable. Um, Yeah. But I did a a test. I had my old Nikon rangefinder and my Steiner HX42s, by 42s you put them on the scales and then you, you put the LRFs on the scales and it's basically the same weight. So, and when you kind of compare them, they're actually really those LRFs are just standard 10 by 42s with a range fire and bolted onto them. There's not any really graded size. Um, compared to the two objects, you know, to, to a standard range finder and to a standard pair of binos, which is really nice. Yeah, but the they're binos being...
1: themselves—look at them—they're just binos. They don't have any bulges yeah. or anything where nope. they've tried to add technology. It's all very well hidden yeah. inside. they're, them. they're the simply
0: the, the 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 body length is simply the the brains part. That's all it is. So yeah, they're they're quite a they're quite a compact for what they are. But they're a two by on... forty-two anyway, so they're a bigger bigger bino to start with. Did you find them heavy? Yeah. Well as I said, they're uh, pretty much the same weight once you yeah, I both, didn't. Both I mean items. I'm
1: comparing them to the to the eights, not you know, um, mm. so they're certainly heavier, but they're pretty well balanced. I'll tell you mm. after I get back from Nundall how fatigued I was using them, but um, like my tripod's got a big a big base on it, a big base plate that the mm. camera slides on. So taking that off and just resting them on the top is gonna work Fine, and I even sort of half thought that I could take a Velcro strap and just go straight over the top of it, so yeah. it holds it. But yeah. um I'll, I'll let you know. I, mm. I I sat outside using them when I was tuning them up this afternoon, and
2: I didn't really get extra tired. Not noticeable. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, because I had a, look, a quick look at the specs, and it said the weight's thirty five point eight ounces, which a quick Google search is just over a kilo. Mm. Yeah, so it's it's not light but it's not heavy.
0: well as i said it it's about the same as a standard 10 by 42 plus a rangefinder is about what and if you carry that
2: in your if you carry that's that it, in your it's a, rig anyway. it yeah. that's
0: right it's so yeah but you don't normally pick them up together so no, no. True. but this, if you're carrying a, them in, in if you're carrying the weight you're still carrying the weight so yeah, yeah. Hmm. and and the thing about the Steiners is those little eye cups generally i fold them down when they're in the chess rig yeah. because you know you just bring them up and down and when you want to actually sit in glass for a period of time you flip them open because they do shut out any no, the light or they limit light and that seems to to I know it seems to stop fatigue as much. That's it, nice, uh, because one important.
1: Of the, that's one of the, the extra the extra magnification yeah. gives you a bit of eye strain, I imagine, mm-hmm. until you get used to them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Okay. Wow. There you go. See, you weren't, I was going to say what you thought I was going to say. I'm gonna talk
1: about another piece mm. of gear. Another new sure. piece of gear. Sure. This came oh, from, no, uh, this this came from, um, uh, I, I was listening to Matt Clark's podcast um, and he was talking about the axle headphones, oh, yeah. noise cancelling headphones. Uh, so I went, it, uh, been looking for something like that. So I went and bought some, not cheap, <laughs> axle headphones. So they're, you know, oh, like an Yeah, yeah mm. but they have a, they have um um another. They've got a whole range of of earplugs. So these are the ones that I'm using around the farm. They're just like normal ear earplugs, and they you know I use them on the lawnmower and things like that. Uh, on one side you've got uh, Bluetooth connection, and on the other side you've got um, noise cancelling, and uh, noise cancelling and uh, sorry, it's noise cancelling and noise enhancement. Right, so um, it blocks out mm. anything over certain decibels, like earmuffs do. And but you can Hanses you can tune and- them to get you know, like a enhanced hearing, so you can hear what's going on. I'm driving along on the on the quad bike on the Polaris side by side, and it and it blocks out the Polaris, but I can hear the dog's footprints ten meters behind me trying to chase. So oh, wow. you okay. know that, that that's pretty good. Um, I actually rang Matt after I bought them and said bloody headphones, mate, they're a dud. I don't know what you're telling everyone they're good for. Um, (laughs) um, But I've grown to like them. And the reason I said that was, uh, I think I've got a slightly faulty pair. Um, When I turn on Bluetooth and noise cancelling, I get a static buzz in my ears, which is not Mm. ideal. Um, But I don't tend to use noise cancelling or noise enhancement um, when I'm listening to music. Like if I'm just up the farm doing some work with a whip snipper or whatever, I don't tend to use that enhancement. So it hasn't actually impacted the way I use them. Um, they clip onto the back of your shirt so you don't lose them like that, and they just go on and fold over your ear, right, and they just plug in and they're, and they're fine. Um, one thing I will say is that noise enhancement part of it that I'll use a lot this weekend while I'm hunting um, is, is really good. Like, I'm pretty impressed with its capability. Um, As far as music goes, pretty shit house. It's not fantastic sound. (laughs) Come on. Um, You know, I use um, 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 earbuds like, you know, a lot of people use the Apple Pods. I use a different set. They're, They're really nice sound. I've got some nice headphones that I've always used when I'm traveling. That's good sound. These, pretty shit sound. No bass, no real way to... Amplify that don't or make buy, it. Any don't buy bigger. them for
2: music. Don't buy That's them for it. music.
1: But so far, as far as like I've been looking for headphones that are just um, easy to wear, you know, and the fact that they can just, you know, plug in. We got them the right way around. The fact that they can just plug in, and they feel comfortable all day, is pretty good. And they just sit over the top. I've had these on working all day. And I don't get sore ears from these like you do with some headphones. Um, So they've been pretty good. And I just sit them on the other side. Now, if I was hunting, um, I've always been a bit of a bandit for just taking the shot and not worrying about my hearing. Um, And I don't like walking around with earbuds in my ears or things like that because then you can't hear things. So these have been quite good and just popping it out like that and you know mm. not actually wearing them but just being able to slot it in before you take a shot i think it's going to be a great thing so i'm trying to look after my hearing a bit more um so anyway that's those matt told you they were mm. crap actually going to like them um real world testing coming up this weekend i'll let you know that's that so yeah. i've
2: actually just talking about protecting your hearing your hearing i um <laughs> i've started wearing i've got the just the analog just the basic foam ones that go in your ear yeah. Um round the neck. Eight, eight bucks from Bunnings. I've been walking around with those, the um Blaze Orange. i walk around with those around my neck and then before I take a shot if I remember I'll pop them in. Um yeah. I had it a couple of weeks ago with a guy with a three hundred Win mag with a um he had the um not a moderator, he had a what's his name on the front of his barrel. Um,
0: ported. A port.
2: Um uh, yeah, he had uh, a ported at the front. I don't remember a muzzle brake. Muzzle, muzzle brake, that's the <laughs> word I was looking for. Thank you Bob um 300 wood mag with a muzzle brake that basically sprays out on the side and <laughs> I, put, I put that in and i could actually sit next to him and while well, we shot so, shot some red deer so you don't need to go the expensive route but um you have to remember to put them in that's the big yeah. thing when you've hunted your whole life and not war or injection in the field a bad habit. and you can't always i mean sometimes it's a you know you're an instinctive shot you got to run quickly i know you mark you, you like to shoot a fan pretty quickly to remember to go. Oh, let me put my ears in, and then before you take a shot. But like you, I'm getting a bit older, and I'm starting to be conscious of my hearing. So I think
0: I'm going to try and do that whenever I can. Yeah, I use the Axle um, ear muffs, but the, the the electronic ones at the range, and they've so they've got both suppression and enhancement, and they're fantastic for the range because you can talk. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. I use digital
2: ones on the range, but these are just when I'm in the yeah. field. I've just yeah. got a pair of foam. I
0: mean, with the analog, so. I've started the boy. Boy always has earmuffs, you know. So, I'm yeah, I wish I started that way myself. But, yeah, I'm actually interested in those earbuds as well. I want to see how they go because I'd like to – that was it. I, I was wearing, you know – These uh, things. Of uh, things around mm. – yeah, those kind of – I was wearing uh, just – Ear protection around my neck for a while, and I found that I just didn't use it. And I'd yeah. go, Oh, we shot some. Oh, that's, by the way,
1: that's right. I brought these for a reason. I've had them attached to the little, um, to the front of my bino rig. It's got a little loop. I just have them there, so they're just dangling there. And I'm the same. Uh, and I say I don't like to. I don't like to snap shoot. I don't like to offhand shoot. But probably the last six deer that I've shot have all have all been offhand. You know, very very quick. So I had to try, and I've been looking for ages, come up with something that I can be wearing, and it doesn't impact my hearing. In fact, it's going to enhance my hearing while I'm walking. Um, I just think, yeah, it, it seems to tick a lot of boxes. So we'll see how it goes. I'll boil mm-hmm. the buds and send them your way when I'm finished.
0: Oh, no, I don't do that. Do that. I I'll, I'll give my own mask.
2: Uh, so I, come um, I hunted with a guy in the UK who, and I hunted quite a bit with him. Who was he was in his late 60s early 70s he was as deaf as a doornail um and he used to walk around in the field with digital earmuffs on so that for that enhancement feature so you could actually hear things if he didn't wear them we'd be walking around and the deer would be whistling at us and honking at us and he didn't hear a thing so uh, the enhancement certainly helps when you're out in the field especially if your hearing is starting to go
1: yeah and you know talking about this again these have got the little fuzzy if you if you're listening and not looking, if you're looking, I'm showing you a little fuzzy noise dampeners um, that just go Mm. onto the microphones. Um, So I said the music was crap. Like, Oh, I'm I'm out there, you know, using power tools and stuff on the farm and, and I'm listening to music and I'm, and I'm happy. I'm okay with it. Um, It's just not the best quality sound I've ever heard out of, out of headphones. (laughs) The phone, Really, shit. <laughs> oh, really? People people calling me on these, and, and I'm standing up in the paddock. It's not even windy, and they're like, Where the hell are you? This, what is the sound? <laughs> I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm wearing shit earbuds. These things. Are- anyway, I rang the company and spoke to them about it. And this is not supposed to be a bad plug for the company. I actually rate the product, but. I told them that I was having these staticky problems. They said, yeah, we'll get that sorted for you. It'll cost you X amount of money to send them back to us. And, you know, we'll, we'll review them and tell you whether it's going to cost you any money to have them looked at or, and I'm like, hey, you're joking, right? You yeah. spent 350 bucks on a product and you're going to charge me because it's faulty. Uh, no. Nah. So I didn't enjoy that experience, but, um, I just told them that I'll put it down to bad purchasing online and I'll deal with it and jam it. But, um, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm making it sound worse than it is, but, um, you know, you get the idea. <laughs> Don't buy them.
0: You're selling them, mate. <laughs> <laughs> You've already to tell us. You're selling customers. You use
1: just... earbuds on, on the website sometime <laughs> in the next right. fortnight.
0: Tell them we I see bet. you. I'm yeah, not sure <laughs> if I'm <laughs> buying them now. Not sure. Might rethink my retina. My retina, my purchases. Are you went mm. missing, Mark. Did you come get your headphones? No, I had to no.
1: go
2: do um, a brown, brown alert, brown <laughs> alert, brown alert. Damn, that was fast. <laughs> that was fast. It was it very fast. ripped that one
0: off quickly, didn't he? <laughs> no, it was a alert. I didn't do it. I had to go alert and put one out for the boys right. to keep out. Any other new gear that anyone's bringing to the table? Yeah, well, I got no, I got another knife coming. Um, and I'm actually, if you're watching this and you're wondering why there's a glow on my face, I'm actually looking at knives as we talk. So <laughs> yeah, I've got so new chlorine in the pool. Right? <laughs> no, it's on this <laughs> side of the place. So yeah, I've got a new, uh, I get a new Benchmade knife coming, which I'm very excited about. Uh, um, it's purely from a, a mate in the states sent me a, you know, a Black Friday uh, message saying, hey. I know you like benchmarks, have a look at this. And I looked at it and, and it had a 30% discount. And I went, holy smokes, I'm buying that. <laughs> <laughs> that is cheap. So I got it and he's sending it that's, to me. So that's um, online shopping. Oh that bad for you. Yeah. Well, hmm. especially, yeah. Uh, so, so, I mean, even, even when I factored in him sending it to me and things like that, it's pretty impressive. So um, I've got that coming for those interested in those, I'm getting the Benchmade Flyaway, which is a, a, a quite a small, um, re, reg, relatively normal size handle, but quite a small blade. Uh, blaze orange. All my Benchmade knives are now, except for, except for one, are all blaze orange, um, which makes them very good if you uh, you know ever drop down uh, blaze orange. So mm-hmm. that'll be. I'll have the. I think it's Steep Canyon. The meat. Mi- Mick Crafter, uh, this one, and a couple other ones. So, yeah. I do oh. like those Benchman's knives. Very good. So well, that's... John, uh, that's hmm.
2: You
1: hinted but, yeah, me that so you went, went and shot some red deer. It was under the radar.
2: Yeah, it was a bit of a cold trip that I got invited on. <laughs> under the radar. Oh, here we go. <laughs> it was fully legit. Other property to hunt
0: fully legit um
2: fully legit uh yeah so it was a red deer cull hunt just to go and help the farmer out obviously it's a bit dry well not at the moment but it hasn't has really no it's changed in the last couple of weeks but, not dry um, up there now. three weeks ago it was very dry although on the friday afternoon we had 29 mils of rain according to the cocky to the um we had a big storm come in just as mm. we were heading out for our first hunt um yeah so we went out private block um so to, to go and help with uh with the with the red deer cull just because it's getting dry or had been getting dry um and it was the last opportunity for the year because the the hinds were getting ready to drop so mm. yeah we went out um we got five for the weekend five hinds, so 10 deer in total if you if you think about it because they were pregnant i think one was dry so nine deer for the weekend um, the two for one special with the hans oh, yeah. A bit... It's a cull, it's not yeah, for the for the cocky, it's yeah, it's a cull. He wants as many deer taken off yeah. as possible. So um the, red deer, the the Heinfall, <clears throat> last one for the year. So how did you cook how do you cook those unborn deer? Do you have a recipe I, that you'd like to share? I don't cook them, I leave them out in the field, mate. Do you? To I'm not gonna I'm not gonna eat fierce. No. It's bad I'm enough to for the trying... friend. It's all it's all
1: meat. <laughs> i draw the line somewhere. Fair enough. What if it was on the other side of the fence? <laughs> <Then> I would, <laughs> wouldn't shoot it. <clears throat> Fair enough. All right. So that's good. Uh, no, I'm, I'm curious because people eat weird and wonderful things and you never know yeah. if it was like near term.
2: Oh, so they were probably two weeks away from dropping, um, mm. two to three weeks away from dropping, so pretty far advanced. Mm. Um, some were, were really close, but, yeah, I'm not going to. It, for me, it's not my favourite time of year to a hunt. I'm
0: um, really no. just going yeah. out to help the cocky. Um... Ma, it was certainly. Um, yeah, well, I, I went up on only a couple of days ago, and it was. Um, I was actually surprised how green it was. From. Big yeah. uh, turnaround. Uh, Woodford onwards, to be honest, I was just going wow. Lots and mm-hmm. lots of green grass, water on the ground, so I got up to the block. Yeah, surprised um, how green it was. The guy who owns the block, he's very rarely there when I arrive, so I just let myself on, and um, went up into the hills. Uh, changed over all the trial camera um, uh, memory cards. Two cameras didn't really do much um, and didn't pick up too much, so I picked, I kept them, I moved them. So basically, I'm I'm trying to bracket where the activity is on the, on the block. So I'll keep moving. So when I find something, I'll keep moving around that. So uh, had a, it was stinking hot, though. Um, I hmm. missed the first storm, and the second storm <laughs> drove me off the hill. I thought, I'm not sticking up for this. Yeah, so, it was a doozy, uh, wasn't it? That's the one that oh, had yeah. huge help oh, out of yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I saw it coming, yeah. and I went, I'm getting off this hill. <laughs> and, um, so, and so I've been, you know, back in – April, I was up on that hill when the storm hit, and um, I wasn't going to do that again. So I um, so saw some some deer on trail cam, uh, spikers, um, and hinds um, mostly night in this one area, which was a bit odd. I was actually thought there was pigs in this one area, and I'd set up cameras to pick up pigs. Didn't pick up any pigs at all. Um, so moved on um saw some deer at distance on the neighbor's block it looks like there's been a fire up on high up there so the the big mountain that basically backs the block you can actually see into it now so you can see in it so that'll be quite interesting come uh summer and into autumn and then got to a the last trail cam, so to work my way up there and um good sized bore on there which I was very excited by because I shot the, the big bore I shot off that block you now four years ago was literally about a hundred meters away from that one. So that must yeah. be the mm. area where the big resident bore pitches pitches camp. So I actually want to try and figure out where I have I have an I by by the trail cam I have an idea I know where he's coming from. And Considering um, I shot another ball from there, I'm pretty sure I knew where he was coming from, which was one of the good dams that often holds water, and it did. I'm wondering where he's going, because it was in the afternoon, so I'm wondering where he's going. So there must be somewhere where he's nesting up up there. I'd like to try and find where that is. So that's kind of um, that was, a, and uh, very happy with the um, the new trail camera. It worked pretty well. And one thing I did like about the new trail camera is that it Gives a moon cycle. In the end, the little information down the yeah. bar. Gives your moon cycle, and that big ball was moving on a full moon. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's good, you, you've got to
2: have you've got to have configured that date, etc. Yeah, you want to figure cycle. the
0: date in. You've got the yeah. date in and the time, and all that. That's just, you know, but. Yeah, you know, and it has that you know it has that little you know the, the information down below or it might be in fahrenheit or sim you know it's got the temperature estimation that they do and the time and stuff like that but in that bar there was this little. there's a picture of the moon and it's a full moon and i went oh that's interesting i wonder if that's just coincidental or that might be something to do with his movement so that'd be quite if it is if he's moving around a full moon, because it was still the day when he was moving, but it was obviously the moon phase, it might be worthwhile taking a thermal up there sometime mm. on, the, on the moon, see if you can see a big pig moving around. So, yeah. So that's uh, when I can get up there. That's gonna be my, um, that's gonna be what I'm looking for in the next little while, whilst keeping on deer, on deer movement. Well,
2: you've got a trip coming up, don't you, Ian?
0: Yes,
2: yes
1: I do. Heading to Nundal. Heading to Nundle. Well, by the time this launches, I'll be on my way back. Or I will have finished. But yes, um, I'm heading up tomorrow and I'll spend... Uh, oh, no, my boss doesn't listen to this. Uh, Thursday sometime, I'll leave tomorrow after work commitments are finished. And I'll have Friday, Saturday, Sunday, probably come back Monday. Um, but my goal really is to scout out a few new areas for... Uh, the rut so you know we're only three months away from a bit more train a bit months away from uh, from hunt camp down there again and uh, with the change of well not the change but with the enforcement of the rules around um, having to camp where you book Um I've decided I'm going to focus more on Nundal than Hanging Rock. I've always really hunted the Hanging Rock area, but a lot more animals have been sighted in Nundal. I've seen quite a few in there now. Um, so I'm going to chase um, some new spots in Nundal, and I'm just putting together some information for, for viewers and listeners uh, about the various different types of um, habitat that you might like to seek out to find here. Um, there'll be a focus on, um, you know, that, the typical fringe country that you find along the Nundal area, uh, almost everyone chases that fringe country. And, you know, to that point, I think everything that jumps that fence waits until well after dark before it does it. And it makes it quite difficult. Um, but I have a theory, um, right or wrong, it has been working out for me. Um, and that theory is that if you can get off the main drag away from that fringe country, four or five kilometres inland, like, a you know, if you're, if you're looking at Nundal Forest Way and you've got the, uh, if you're coming in from Walker, you've got the farmland on your left. if you hang a right and go in as far as you can and set up hunting areas in that area, you're, you're capturing animals that uh, are living and eating and you know being in in their habitat. They're not leaving to go to the farmland five Ks every night and back five Ks every night. Um, I just find that they're there and they stay there. Um, and they'll be you know in a couple of kilometer radius they'll have a couple of you know um, creek systems that they work and you've just got to start actively finding um, where they move around in that system and and, and I think um, you'll have an easier time hunting uh, and the animals aren't as skittish because not many people go in that far so mm-hmm. um, and it's not to say walk that far in There are tracks that go in that way
0: but yeah, um, I'm just trying to...
1: yeah, plenty plenty of tracks that go in there. Um, but you'll find if you get down in the creeks, there's plenty of green pick down there. There's plenty of food to sustain um, um, deer habitat. Uh, and I've found my last two or three trips in there, I've focused on those areas and it's paid off really well. So, yeah, for me, I'm going to go and look at a few more of those areas and I'm going to put game trail cameras up just so that I can go back and have a look and see what's going on come come the time of mm-hmm. the rut. And, um, yeah, that's the purpose of the trip. Um, catching up with Dave. Dave. Dave Willy, while we're there.
2: Oh, it's Dave, oh, Dave okay. going yeah. down? Is
1: Dave's going down, so we'll catch up with Dave. Um, I think Derek, one of our other listeners, Dave's mate, he's going to be down there. And um, I had a um, conversation with uh, somebody else yesterday who's going to try and catch up with us on, uh, on one of the, the, the middle of the day afternoons just to come say hi and have a yarn. And just um, yeah, get some more tips and tricks on the park. So yeah, big good trip. Mm. I'm just looking to get away, need to get some time in the bush. My wife says I'm cranky, so I'm going to go. Um, it's been too long, <laughs> so yeah, I'm just going kind to of enjoy the time. Be good.
0: Nice. Yeah, I was saw more game animals if you if you if you kind of look at the the map and you're facing towards you know facing to the north. As you said, I saw more game animals on on what would be. Your left hand side, yeah, than I saw on the fringe countryside. Mm. Um, yeah, and we went, we were, I can't, there's a, there's a boundary road and there's another road, and it eventually kind of terminates in the middle somewhere. It was obviously yep. just a, a long, uh,
2: long like duck road or something like that. No, no, yep. no,
0: no, not, not that. That's, um, man, if I had a on map I could tell you. Uh, but, um, I'll see, you should 5. have one to hand. Yeah, yeah. yeah just on that computer. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I, that's where I went. The first day with Graham and the boy, we went, we, we went in that way. So we went away from the fringe country into the into the that part of Nundal. Just drove in, got to a crossroads, and said, "Okay, here's a place that's you know to park up," and went further on in foot on foot, and yeah, that's where we saw the pigs. And I'm sure I saw some deer on the first day and on following days, saw deer and stuff at distance in there. I wasn't really set up to hunt the the year just gone, um, with who I was hunting with most of the time. I was more guiding than anything, but we saw deer and I saw more deer that way. I think it's, I think that's a wholly reasonable hypothesis that those animals are in there. There's enough, in there, if not more than enough to sustain them and keep them happy that they don't need to move. Yeah. Yeah. The fringe stuff looks really that's sexy. Th- I must, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I went down to that. There's that part where you drop down on the, onto the fence line and that was just full of game sign, but it was, you know, you, that's where everyone going to be. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that's, that's,
1: that's my, yeah, that's my theory. Um, the last, three times i've been in there i've i've sort of worked that theory and it's it's paid off really well so um uh, and i you know i just think uh, come the rut there's lots of people in and around that park and it's it's just good to explore different habitat and, and figure mm-hmm. out what's where and get away from the general hunting population um so yeah be in,
0: good. in fact you know i can't think where it is it's up near that farm country there's the the, the kind of the the highest peak on nundle which is the the uh, you can actually drive up to the top of it yeah you, you just loop your way up i went up there one morning with my son and then when we came back down and that's very close to that 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 farm gate there up the northern end um we crossed the road and went straight into there and we went for about there we went about an hour and a half in there there's old tracks and stuff like that and um it was starting to close out but no one had been in there yeah yeah, there was it, and that, again, that looked like really, there was a fairly significant Creek line down there. And I thought, well, if my, if my boy was a bit more capable, we'd, we drop down and follow that Creek line.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully I'll get to do that. There's a couple of spots I'm looking at, which have, um, a good couple of, so you, you'll go in sort of three Ks, four Ks. And then, mm. um, once you leave the road, you can go another two or three Ks down that Creek line on foot and not intersect another road. Um, that to me is, um, is some of the gold you're looking for. There's that yep. other um, area inside Nundle, uh, sort of across from where we camped last time. So yep. if you you know look at the area that we camped, which was um, sort of up near um, near the near the phone tree, if you like, if you know where the yep. phone the selfie tree is, the phone the cell-fi tree the cell tree, um, uh, just sort of back from there and 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 to the north, there's that that big gully that's in there that uh, mm. often people look at and go, oh, this looks really good, but it's howlishly steep. Um, I'm um, I'm super keen to backpack hunt down into there when I can convince someone to come with me. Uh, it's probably not a hunt that I want to do on my own, um, not, not until I go and explore it anyway, but it, it looks like bloody awesome country in there.
0: Yeah, we actually found something like that. So again, on that side, we went turned in, and it looked like it was a little bit of an old quarry at the top. Yeah, and it was on it was on an escarpment. It dropped straight down. There was a track, a vehicle track to drive down if you wanted to, but it went straight down again. I thought, you know, that's the kind of place that would be very interesting just to follow that walk, walk, that vehicle track down and get right into that gully system. Um, if you know, if you needed to get the animal out, you could probably drive down in, in, in good weather. But yeah, that was another area where it just dropped out. And I think there was goats there. I think there was goats oh, there. Really? The, the oh, sign really? I thought that looks like goat sign. And the reason I thought it was a goat sign was because of scat and also it was on top of rocks. And generally you don't find that with deer.
2: Hmm. Top of rocks is usually um what's the name's though? Marsupials. No, what are they called? I can't my memory's shot today. What are they called? We go down to Tasmania and look at them. Oh, your dog goes down the holes all the time. Wombats. Wombats.
0: Wombats. Yeah, so wombats. Sh- a w- 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 wombats. No, I don't mean like on top of it. I mean like there was rocks, like a rock, right. you know, and okay. there was animals. Shit had on a rock. Been, no, I don't mean wombat. shit on a rock. That's yeah, That's, wombat. that's wombat. No, no, this no. is like, you know, goat scat on and it was on, or, you know, scat, and it was on top of rocks and stuff like that, not like a single sound, rock. So, yeah. It does sound goatee. Yes. Very goaty. So I thought, oh, that's interesting. So, yeah, mm. that was another place because that was one you could park at the top and just kind of go, let's just walk down here and see what we can see, and then, you know, turn around and come back up.
1: Uh, question for you. I know we probably can't legally answer this, but leasehold land. Yes. A few questions pop up from time to time about leasehold land. Yes. Um, so uh, if you're walking through uh, the park and you come to the section that is leasehold land, do you think you can traverse through the leasehold land to get to another part of your hunter? Oh, I think you
0: can, but doesn't it say on the map do not go through this area? I'm even sure, pretty sure it well, says that. Some but. of it
1: does and yeah. some of it doesn't.
0: So what there's if there's no a,
1: a gated track? You know, um, I'm assuming, and I'll be wrong, and i will find this out and we'll bring it up on the next podcast as a question. Um, but um, I'm assuming if you're leasehold, then you've got to mm. maintain that track and other people shouldn't have access to it. Um, mm. Some of the leasehold areas on the map say leasehold, no trespassing without permission mm. from PC others don't. So Um, um, my view is I would say no. Yeah. I'd certainly err on the side of caution and say that. Um, Mm. But um, there's some very interesting leasehold sections on the map uh, in the middle of nowhere. There's just like this chunk in the middle of the bush. Mm. But it's Uh, a
0: lease. So someone is, you would assume, exchanging currency to have exclusivity to that chunk of dirt which is what a yeah. lease is mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah. i would assume that that means what a normal lease is so for instance if you lease an office space in Toowoomba, i can't just kind of come in and say hey <laughs> let me walk through here while i'm going you know so yeah i yeah. kind of think it's the lease comes up because if, I know if it is a
1: if there's a gazetted road that runs through someone's property, you're allowed on that gazetted road because it's not their property. It's a road that runs through it. There's plenty, like if you go and have a look at the National Trail, for example, the National Trail runs along a lot of gazetted roads um, through people's farmland. Uh, Esdale's a good example. Esdale Station, you can't just go wandering around on Estelle Station, but there is a gazetted road that mm. goes through it that the general public mm. are allowed on, and they're not allowed to lock the gates and keep people out of it. Um, now, that's not leasehold land. That's a gazetted road that runs through the centre. It's a different yes, thing. That's um, good but I, but I, but I'm, you know, And these are these are tricky tricky questions. If a gazetted road runs through the leasehold land...
2: Then you're allowed to... Tr- yeah, well, I know someone. Road that, road I, road I, road I know road someone road who road. has
0: that. I know someone who has that exact structure down in Bow Desert, and they are obliged to keep that. It's a it's a gate that they can that they lock, but they're obliged to keep it open um, during the day, for instance, because yeah. they're able to say that at night it creates a security risk for their property.
1: Yeah.
0: So, but that's. That's where that the property is their property. They own it, but there is still a, a, a previous Gazette Road running through it. Yeah. yeah I thought yeah. leasehold was different to that, as in you own the lease oh. on that, so that's a, it's a lease. I'm just calling up Nundle right now because I thought on those things, it made it pretty clear. It said, you know, don't go here without I'm permission. I'm looking at one right
1: now. In the section of, of the park. Well. Uh, there's two lease holds on the on the screen that I'm looking at. One says no trespassing. The other one doesn't.
0: Yeah. Are you looking at uh, Nundle because there's one that says? Yeah. Is uh, are you looking at the one that we're called Willow Trees? Um.
2: There's one to the left of Willow Trees. Yeah, below Nundle Forest Way. Because if you
0: look at and you know those ones that have the hatching on it. So there's mm-hmm. three, there's yeah. three on the Nundle map. There's um, there's one that says willow trees. There's a little, uh, I has not got a name on it. There's a smaller rectangular section uh, below Terrible Billy. And there is a larger section directly to the uh, left of Terrible Billy. That's oh, the three the I can see. Now, if you go down to the legend down the bottom, it says leasehold exclusion, no trespass without express permission of from the leasee. So it says on the legend. Yeah, yeah. So that kind there of makes go. it pretty obvious. I was
1: looking at I was looking at Google Earth, and Google Earth doesn't have the ledger. No, I was it has the, the map? description. It has the description on the map rather than yeah. So anyway, the, the map here.
0: Is... Forestry map says leasehold exclusion. No. No trespass. And yeah. in fact, by the fact that calls it trespass, it sh- makes you assume that going on there without permission is deemed trespass until you, if you're unless you're somehow able to argue not. So yeah, it's saying no trespass. Very good. Question answer. Yeah. I wasn't going. Yeah. So naturally right. occurring asbestos. There you go. Mm. What's up next?
1: Um, preparations for. The rut. We covered this a little bit, Mark. Oh, you and I on our on the last podcast, but um, there's quite a lot that goes into it, and I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think it'd probably be worth covering off uh, what you're doing on public land versus private land. And I'm mis- let's actually let's talk about public land for a minute because that's where the majority of our focus seems to be here. Uh, what plans have you got leading up to the rut? Um, Assuming you're attending hunt
0: camp this year, I have, it, there's a rumor you might be attending hunt camp this year. That, 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 that is a rumor. Um, I'm yet to confirm, but that, that, that is a rumor. I can acknowledge that that is a rumor. <laughs> uh, is there any the specific things that it, you do prior to that? Well, the fact that it's it, a rumor to, sorry, to be honest, the fact that it's a rumor means that my, my preparation will be, oh, I'm going, and then to get going, to get gone. So that's going to be unfortunate. However, if I was to say that I was in a position where I knew I was going, I would certainly have a different approach to it, and that would be I would be scouting. I would be scouting both e-scouting and scouting on foot. In fact, I would probably, if I knew I was going, I would probably be going with you tomorrow. And I'll be setting up trail cameras. Um, uh, and the way I've been using trial cameras, and the, as I mentioned before, is I'm trying to bracket. So I'm trying to get an understanding of where the game is and isn't so I can be more selective in my hunting. So I want to bracket. So I would be going down more than once and I would be checking the cameras and if they weren't producing where they were, I would be moving them. I want a bracket game, uh, most definitely. And there is there is some kind of, you know, in, in Nundle system, there is not sure things, but there is certain areas that, you know, you're going to do a lot better than others or you, you, your chances are that if you just kind of lob in, you'll do better than others. What's mm. really interesting this year, and uh, oh, this is not this year, but what is really interesting is the um, red population yeah what a few At coming down, that opposing. is really interesting and I'd really want to try if I had the opportunity I'd actually even i'd I'd almost be thinking more about reds than I would be about fallow if I had the opportunity this year uh, yeah in the next year I'd be thinking about reds um because um Haroon's just gone back down and shot a fallow and a red. And we had another I can't think of his name now, a guy basically reached out to us. It might have been Mitchell, I think, his name. He first first day he lobs into that forest, bang, shoots a pig in a red. Yeah. So there's reds around. Um yeah, and I saw, some couple, down I, saw I saw red I'm sure I saw red prints when I was down there. They were you know, mm-hmm. big deer prints, so they're red. So I'd actually be really looking at reds and I you know, reds are a bit different in terms of scoping them out than fallow you know fallow you're trying to find you know different type you're looking for different kind of things um because generally you know the way that reds kind of move in and move out so i'd want to know those kind of areas where the reds are coming from and where they're going to um you know when you see reds outside of the the raw you know they kind of they kind of battle up a bit and they they, they move <clears> around <throat> a bit you know they're, they <clears> they <throat> seem to be very friendly and all they like each other and they're kind of like on an extended golf holiday and then all of a sudden girls get involved and they try and murder each other and then after that they get back to being mates again. But well, they yeah, want the same, a lot more. So yeah, this hunt that I
2: was just on, there was we saw um, a mob of, I think it was 12, 12 stags, young mm. stags, but all mobbed up together. They yeah. were all hanging around together.
0: And, and they're moving too. They're mm. moving because yep. um, they're they, you know, they breeding their approach brings different to fellow. So I would be, if I was going to look for reds at Nundle and hanging rock, of course, getting in hanging rocks pretty hard, but getting, if you get in hanging rock, I would want to be knowing where they're moving to and from. And what I would really be interested is, is finding hinds. Yeah. Finding hinds. That would be, Really, really. If I if I got a trial camera and it had lots of hinds, I'd be going. Now that's an interesting place to be because the red stags will 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 hunt up those hinds and then try and create harems and cut them off and all that kind of stuff they do. But so I'd be I'd be really interested in where the hinds are at.
2: Should be interesting in the roar then to, to be hearing reds roaring as opposed to the fellow croaking. There. different.
1: You'd have to go a bit earlier, wouldn't
0: you? Yeah, mm. generally the, yeah. The, this the. The, the season oh, is so different.
2: End of end of March, but yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, that's what you used to do. You know, when when you know when I had old time up my sleeve and all that kind of stuff, we would hunt reds and then go hunt fellow. Yeah. So,
1: yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Um, what then, in your opinion, thinking about Nundle and Hanging Rock? My my opinion of um, where you're going to find reds i mean you find both fellow and red uh on that fringe country they like their improved pasture but i tend to find the reds favor that more than the fellow um i find that the fellow are more than happy to make you know a habitat a range you know in the middle of the forests and not interact with the farmland at all whereas the reds I mean, they say that, you know, hunting reds in New Zealand, they don't necessarily do that either. I just, a lot of the reds that I know have been taken out of Nundal have all been interacting with that farmland to a degree. Um, do you have an opinion on that? I
0: think fallow are kind of like goats um, in that, that the way that, you know, they'll establish themselves in an area. As long as that area can support them, They'll establish themselves in that area, you know'll mm. you, know, oh, you know it has to have the things that they need for to sustain life, but they kind of establish themselves in areas and then they kind of slowly migrate, they slowly move, you know, and that's why they 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 continue to spread is that they move red as you said, you know, I think it's a difference between a browse and a grazing animal you know and you, you're right you know in certain places reds will browse like they do in new zealand you know in that really heavy you see them hunting reds in new zealand they're in super heavy stuff yeah. and they go look, yeah there's mm. a red you kind of go what are you looking at you know like, oh look i can see a tine you know and that's different i mean that's i think that's because of more the fact that that's the country that they're in so they got to live in it but i i, I agree if A red will seem to be more comfortable standing in more open country or favoring more open country than a fallow does. Yeah. Whereas a fallow will Mm. kinda go, if there's food, shelter, water and girls here, this'll do. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think I think the fallow and nundal have been hit pretty hard, so I think that kind of has displaced them a lot more. Mm. I think that the reds are I mean, there's there's always been a few taken, but never in this number before. So I think they've moved in, and I don't think they've really know what they're doing just yet. I think it's, their patterns are going to change as they spend more time in the park, as long as they don't all get shot by being stupid. But I think they're staying where the easy feeders for the moment, mm-hmm. hence so they're hanging on that that farm fringe country. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I'd
0: tend I tend to improve. and I think that gets into that also gets into the you know the kind of Argument: How they got there, and where do they, you know? And if they're if they're moving to to and through Nundle, then there's likelihood that they've come off more off farmland type, more open into the forest type thing. So you know there is that. So they, you know, that that's kind of the habitat they they're coming from. Whereas if the fallow are far more established in nundle than the fallow are probably more likely to um you know adapt to the nundle environment which is generally you know a a heavy forest environment yeah Um, yeah and the thing is is about getting displaced is i mean the the single greatest thing that displaces fallow and in um in uh nundle is you know logging (laughs) yeah yeah they just that displaces everything you know you go bang well they've logged this area and bang it's just now open um you know it's all gone so that obviously that displaces them and it's not you know they don't log um uh, it's not lethal logging like they're not going in there and shooting everything and then logging it's just they do their stuff so that animals would just kind of go we're going to move on yeah Uh, well
1: it'll be interesting to see um might even put some time in down there and Early March and see what goes on, but
0: yeah, yes, hmm. so it's different, very different to Brisbane Valley because we know yeah. the deer are there, um, and it's been really doesn't it hasn't made a lot of sense in a lot of ways. So like, um, the twenty twenty two roar was the best roar I'd ever been involved in there was just like, you just, you just kind of, shut up, stop screaming at me, you know, go away, <laughs> that was just everywhere, you know, just kind of go, oh, there's one there, there's one there. You know, the first morning I think I saw I saw eight just roaring their heads off and I just went, oh, I'm not going to shoot anything. I'm just going to take video and walk around. Um, and But I thought, so I thought, oh, that's where we're at. And then 2023 was just disastrous. Mm-hmm. They just didn't come off the hill. So I could hear them. They just stayed up high. Don't know why what they did so it's very difficult to you know and i think that's also you know that's a that's a challenge of there's the historic activity and then what it's like on the day that you lob up there or the year you're in there so it's very difficult to say what it's going to be like because there's not a lot of deer sign on the block at the moment but there's more deer sign now than there was before because there's less cattle yeah 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 so the Last year, there was the most cattle ever seen on those blocks, and maybe that exactly why there was a less deer. The, the cattle basically pushed the, the deer up into the hills, and the deer stayed up in hills. Mm. So that's hard. Competition it's, it's hard. It's really, and I mean, and you know, I got that trail camp image of that deer with the knee attack. Mm. No, I have no idea where that thing came from. Yeah, that's... there's no, there's mm. no, you know, within sight distance, there's no one keeping deer. At the level that they're tagging them
1: we hit the road The, the hitting the road and, and going hunting component comes this weekend so we'll be capturing that as we go um can't script these things you never know what's going to happen but i've got a concept in mind that i want to show people the, the different types of habitat that we've found deer in um i want to show people how I, how i locate that habitat um what i find when i'm in there um, how to read some of the sign that we're looking at. Um, granted, it's going to be, mostly it's going to be old, but there's going to be brows and things like that that you get to look at and just see that things are eating. Um, you know, rubs aren't going to have happened yet. You're going to find old stuff from last year, but it gives you an idea that things live in that area. So I'm just going to point some of those, certain, some of those things out. If we're lucky enough to stumble across um, some deer, uh, which I, I expect that we will, uh, if I can, uh, if I can zero in on a on a yearling, uh, I'd like to take a yearling out. Uh, I've got a, um, some of the guys that are in camp. I'll give them a hand to get some meat. If if they struggle with it, if they don't, then um, there's more than enough people back here that are willing to put their hand up, take some venison. Uh, so we'll do that, and I'll go through the process of um, breaking it down in the field. Um, you know, showing you some of those those skills and and what you need to do to get it back to camp. That's pretty much it. We'll have the challenger heat. It's going to be warm. Um so some of Very that's warm. going to have to be pretty quick. We're going to have to understand what to do with that animal to 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 cool it down as fast as we can. Um yeah, and and I'll just take people through the process that I that I go through to to, to get deer home so.
0: Mm. Come on for yeah, the Yeah, as I said, we looked at the first couple of parts and it looks really good. About that heat thing, Jono, I know that you've in the past thrown deer into creeks. Yes, we have. Mm. Yes. Which is really interesting uh, because they're they're told to never do that. So explain what it
2: was. So we did that. That was October, end of October last year. It was really, really hot. We were culling red hinds, same as we just did a couple of weeks ago, end of the year culled some for the farmer. Um, we shot quite a few right at um, late afternoon and it was a stinking hot day um, and we had three or four to process and we couldn't get to them. So there was a nice deep, fresh flowing creek, freshwater flowing creek, um, nice deep pool. We just chucked them in with the skin on or we'd gutted them in the field um, and yeah, we just chucked them in the creek just to drop that temperature. Um, we didn't leave them for an extended amount of time. They didn't absorb too much water or anything like that. But that's actually an old New Zealand thing is chucking them in the in the creeks um, and it's just to chill the carcass, just to keep mm. that temperature down, keep the flies off them. Uh worked really, really well. Um, yeah, you just got to make sure there's no like lots of bugs and things like that crawling in them. But um, they were clean as because it was nice, clean water. So it, I wouldn't do it if it was stinking stinky green, algae-rich water, but it was nice, no. fresh, clean, fl- flowing water, nice deep pool. So yeah, we just chucked the carcasses in just to keep them cool. And it really drops
0: the temperature pretty quick. Yeah, so basically you're just washing the heat out of them, aren't you? Correct.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's an old New Zealand yeah. trick.
0: What other um, what
1: other tricks have you got, or tips have you got for getting carcasses cooled right down?
2: Oh, so for me, for what I do is, I like to get the guts out as quickly as possible. Um, and then I tend to, um, I carry like a um, a mutton, it's called mutton cloth, like a cloth mutton that cloth I you. comes in a big mutton cloth comes in a cheese tube, cloth. and I actually put that yep. cheese cloth. Yeah, is the other name. Um, and I actually put the um, the whole carcass just. Cover the whole carcass, tie it off top and tail, and that keeps the flies off it and allows the, the wind just to blow a little bit. Get it in the shade. That's another important thing. Just get it out of that sunlight just to keep it, um, yeah, keep the flies off and try and get it chilled a little bit. And then get it on, get it quartered and, and on ice as quickly as possible. Are you skinning it? I uh, generally would skin it, yes, to try yeah. and help that heat dissipation. Yeah, definitely. Because skin holds a lot of heat.
0: That's it. it and there's, there's also. Um... A fair bit of evidence that they actually get hotter after you kill them because because there's no circulation. So there's a period of the the temperature goes up because there's no circulation. So the heat is not being dissipated by the animals' heat dissipation systems. Hmm. So you've kind of captured that heat in that animal. So. So hmm. it's really important to get that heat out of them as quick as you can. And, you know, the, the two best thing to do is to drop the guts out of it because that's a huge heat source and opens up yeah. the insides so and that lots of heat. Yeah. And our other thing is get the skin off because, again, yeah. it's also letting the heat off. So that's but what I – so I do the same. I usually try and break it up too because, again, that just has less mass. So there's less – there's more surface area. Hmm. So there's going to be more – Ability for heat to dissipate. Um, what I have learnt though is don't stick it straight on ice because it melts the ice. Yeah, you to let it cool yeah. a little bit. Yeah, first. you've got to let it cool yeah. a little bit before you put it in because what you'll do is you'll actually put something that's you know so many degrees in your esky and it'll actually start to melt the ice. Um, and that's where I found find the car fridge to be invaluable. So before I put them in the Esky, I put them in the car fridge because car fridge even struggles. You can watch the temperature go, you know, struggle with the heat, but it is still trying to keep them. It's still trying to cooling, and then put them on ice. But that's that because usually I usually try and take some meat during summer. I didn't want to take any um. And the other thing is, I if I'm doing summer hunts, I'll hunt in the morning and take meat in the morning, rather in the afternoon.
1: Yeah, I um. Certainly, you're not going to be in the heat of the day. I mean, the, the, most no, of the hunting no. we do is morning and evening, and both morning and evening it cools down. Uh, you know, especially up at Nundle, it can get yeah, down even the summer. Yeah. It's you know you're getting down to ten degrees. That's plenty cold enough um, oh, yeah. Yeah. to be to be dealing with an animal in the bush. And you've got to take your time with it. Um, I the, the other thing that I would mention is take take that animal, um, get the guts out of it, get a couple of sticks, split the rib cage. So that you can open that cavity up and 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 yeah. really get some airflow into it, uh, even if you've got to sit and wait for a bit to let it cool down a little bit before you stuff it in your pack, you know, because uh, you know a lot of us a lot of us will then break that down and put it in a pack, and then you've got meat on meat inside a bag. Yep. It's mm-hmm. not getting rid of any heat that way. Um, so yeah. you know, hanging it is not a bad idea, uh, and just take your time. I mean. Um yes it's going to get dark big deal it's dark it's probably going to be dark on the way out anyway if you, if you're already worried mm. about the light so just chill out and take your time and, and, and do the best you can with the meat um and and I find even in summer the, the cool evenings tend to tend to help and you know it's, the mornings
2: it's cool are the enough to hang a
0: hang a carcass yeah and... well none stuff like that mm. yeah, it is Yeah, it, it's cool enough to at least give you a chance to to um, get going. I mean, it's a lot different in Brisbane Valley at the moment. I mean, it's just, you know, stinking hot. It's sweaty. Yes. Mm, Very And In in the afternoon and evening, it doesn't really cool much. That's why I tend to, if I'm going to take game, I'm going to take it, you know, just after dawn type thing. And I'm going to, I want to have it on ice and, you know, back in the car fridge and then on ice pretty early on in that morning. Yeah. Because in the afternoon, it's just way, you just can't, you can't dissipate that heat. So that's a big, but yeah, you said Nundle's a lot different. It's um, in fact, Nundle was the first place I ever hung deer in trees because it was cool enough to do that. Yeah. Before that, it was quick, break it down, get it out of here real quick. Hmm. Yeah. So with that, so you're gonna you with your um with your with if you do take animals, you're gonna um you know share share out the meat with friends. You were mentioning um, about uh, so some time ago about we were looking about you know different ways of preparing f- food and meals from the end. That's something I I myself feel that's probably my weaker point. Actually, turning you know turning into things. So, is there anything that if you are taking meat or the meat you've got, you are processing as it too? You experimenting with new new interesting cooking yeah. methods or are you doing the Trident and chew, true you know grind it up make it hamburgers and going to do that i've never ever versus... done that uh nope.
1: very very We've rarely do i ever put any of the meat into a mincer um so for starters you know probably for the last 15 years i've done the traditional hunter's cuts you know the shoulders come off the back legs come off, the back straps come off. If I haven't turned the inside mm. to soup, I go for the loins, um, and every now and then I'll I'll take the heart. But usually I'm shooting heart lungs, so I don't bother with anything inside the chest cavity. I don't care whether the the tenderloins look clean or not. On a fellow, they're so small anyway. i just not. If there's if there's soup in that cavity, they're just staying there. The great thing about the way the um, that, that animals are, are you know constructed is that pretty much everything other than those tenderloins and, and the heart are protected from the inside cavity. Um, you can take the legs, the back straps, and the front shoulders off, and it's not going to get tainted by any of that stuff, which is why you can do a gutless method, right? So that's traditionally how I've always done it. Um, I don't tend to do that anymore. I'm trying very, very hard now to, um, to break the carcass down into three pieces. So if you think about the carcass um upright in its natural form after it's been gutted right um, if you flip it upside down so the the gut the, the gut cavity is facing upwards um, and you've got the the hole where the pelvis bone is right so if you're thinking about how the pelvis bone looks, there's the hole that goes out to the tail and where the and all that sort of stuff was before you gutted it out about an inch up from there there's a gap in the spine if you cut straight across that, you remove the entire back half of it so you've got um the basically the last bit of the um the back strap all the rumps and both legs joined at the pelvis still and that's one section that I take with it the other end of the carcass if you look inside the carcass after you've gutted it and you come back six ribs on both sides and cut it straight across after the sixth rib you then take both the shoulders off together three two very simple cuts and you get excellent quality butchering that you can now do separately, right? So that middle section is now still got the back straps on it, plus the ribs. If you're carrying a a bone saw or something like that, you can take some of the rib off so they're not as long, but basically you're taking back the whole frame with the chops. And I really, really like venison chops. Um, You get, if you think about um, a fallow deer, if you take two backstraps off, thinking about the size of a backstrap, how many meals do you get out of one side of backstrap? How many meals do you think you're going to get? Two? You and me are going to eat a backstrap between oh, the two of us?
0: Well, I, I don't, I actually, two or three,
1: yeah. Two or three.
0: With right. the backstraps, we generally... Uh, Cut them out. At, when if we're in camp, we'll act. We'll eat them at camp that night. We'll usually yeah, sure fire yeah. and cut them up, and we'll actually just kind of have sizzle back straps. Yes, I don't. Even, yeah. I yeah. generally don't bother taking the backstraps out of camp because we've eaten them.
1: Yeah, I guess my point is, um, one backstrap. Uh, two hungry blokes could probably eat one backstrap mm. between the two of them. Three. For sure, you're probably going to want some more. Uh, If you take that frame back out and you turn it into chops, how many chops do you normally have in a sitting? You you, you get a lot more meal Mm -hmm. out of the animal if you turn it into chops, leave the rib meat on, leave a lot of the uh, rib flap on it, and you just get an absolutely delicious meal, you know, that's different just to the standard backstrap. Um, The other thing too is if you you then go and slice the backstrap, sorry, the rib flap off, and you just you know take it off and peel it off like skin then you've got a a, a sensational meal just in the rib flap that you can roll herbs and cheese and stuff roast into it, it. yeah yep. roll that up, it up tie it up slow cook it right just slow cook it really really slow once it comes out of the slow cooker slice it into you know inch wide sections and just sear it off on a pan and that is just absolutely delicious If you try and just roast that normally, it'll be chewy as hell. It's disgusting. You've got to slow rope that stuff, slow roast that stuff. Um, So, that's the sort of stuff you can get off it if you take the animal out in a different way. Um, It's a bit more cumbersome, but you take the pelvis off with the two legs intact. You get that in your pack. A fallow, you get that in your pack. It's not too much of an issue. Um, And um, you can easily carry the, the inside frame. It's not heavy, but you can carry that out. You know, wrapped in the mutton cloth, uh, and you can just do a lot more with it. So, hopefully, that
0: answers your question. So, with that approach, basically, you're, you're butchering the animal into you, you know in what you might call you know like the the meat processing. So, you're getting steaks and and roasts and and the chops, as you said. Are you actually doing anything else with you know like um, are you are you making any other meals with it? Um, I suppose. I'm wondering how to move away from just like it's like the butcher shop, so it's just like you know a series of chops and things like that. I'm really interested in what to, where to take the meat next in terms of processing.
2: Yeah, I mean for me, I mean I'm pretty traditional, but I'm probably more traditional from a South African perspective. We go for the biltong pieces. Um, I don't make too much biltong here in Brisbane just because it's so hot and humid, and I don't really like it dried. Uh, in a box with a with a light and a fan. Um, I find it makes it quite tough. I actually make more jerky. The kids love the jerky. I've got a dehumidifier, nice and thin, season it, and then I dry it. The kids love it. I love it. Um, I make quite a bit of jerky, but otherwise... I do. We do. We eat a lot of mince, so we do a lot of spaghetti bolognese. We do nachos. So make a like a um a, with the mince that we do. So all the off cuts. I usually take the shoulders, um, and it also depends on the time of the year. So now that we're coming into summer, I don't do a lot of slow cooked meals. I find it's too hot. Um, we'll do a lot of bolognese. We do a lot of um, nachos. So venison mince and nachos, beautiful. Um, you can pre-cook it. You can make a huge batch and then chuck it in the freezer if you want and then just defrost it, chuck it on the nachos. Beautiful. absolutely love nachos. That's a nice one. The kids love it as well. Um, biltong, as I said, jerky. Um, but I think this year, I'm going to give the chops a try. That's a new one. I've Means. never really done that way. I think, I think I'm think i pretty keen on doing so that. Good. I love chops. I love lamb and chops. And it's so, so easy. Enjoy chops, so I'm going to have it's to get you so, to show
1: me that one. It's so easy. It's literally
0: cut, done. You're in three pieces, and you're on your way out. Because that 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 approach you're talking about is how um, mate Darcy breaks up an animal. That's how he, does it. He, oh, that how it he up, does it. he breaks it up like he's a butcher. So you know, mm. you know, he'll end up you'll have you know, and he'll separate the animal, and then there'll be the you know the the, the, the four quarters and the hindquarters together, and he'll say, well, this is we'll take this part for a roast, or we do this, or chops, and things like that. So, I'm I'm keen to actually. I, I like the idea of. You know, are they short chops? Is that what you call a short chop? Because they're a short rib chop. Not sure. Uh, that idea of, ha- of, of, of having a chop. My audio comes back. And, and the boys love them too. So you know, you can we could do them. Yep. So we could do it on you know, um, do it on the Weber and just hand them out and away they go. Exactly. Cookies are cool. Good idea. Little
1: meat lollipops. I'm I'm,
0: really ke- I'm keen, especially after summer. To try and get into the you know sausages and small goods and stuff like that. That's what I really like to get into. Good for um, the kids as well. Yeah, very, very interactive. Yeah, I would like to really get into that. So I want to kind of. It's something that I says traditionally it has not been part of our family. Um, it's not something I've done a lot of work a lot in, but I'm keen to I'm keen to get more into it. That's for sure.
2: And the other thing I'm going to try is uh, making salami. Never made salami. So that's going to be something yeah. I'm going to try. I've actually got a, a, an old fridge and I bought a humidity controller and a temperature Ooh. controller. And I'm going to be trying to make salami. That's going to be oh, another challenge. I'm so keen to make salami. There's, a, there's
0: a thing I've seen advertised. There's like a, a salami system that's like a, a cabinet. And uh, I can't think of the name of them. Oh, man, I've seen them. Yeah. Yes. You know, expensive. I expensive. Mean. They yeah, are. Someone was They're talking su- about it. Salu-
2: "Yeah, salumi or something like that." They call something it, yeah. like that.
0: Yeah. Someone yeah. was. I was reading someone on on Facebook. They said, "Oh, since I've got this, I've done, you know, this and that." And, that. and I went, "Oh, that sounds fantastic." I wonder what they are. I was, no, okay, I watched. A, I sure. watched a video on on YouTube I'll, where you, can, you get,
2: get old, Yeah, I watched a video on YouTube where you can get a, an old fridge. You need some. You need a humidity controller, and a temperature controller, and you can make your own salami fridge. So yeah. I've got one. I've got all of it. I just need to. Basically Can I, I butt it. in?
1: That's it. I don't know. If, I don't know if I've yeah. come back into sync with audio. Um, but um, I was talking to Zully, who is uh, someone else who listens to the pod, podcast and has come on a hunt with us out to the pillager. He used to raise chickens, little you know uh, hatchlings, um, yeah. and uh-huh. he had all of that humidity control gear at that point. All the controllers and everything—it's it's actually really cheap. This stuff. Mm, um, yeah. So I I'm going to lean on him to figure out how to make it. I, my brain I don't understand how the hell to get this stuff to work, but I bought a wine fridge, so glass That's door wine got. fridge, which That's is perfect for hanging salamis in. And our mm. conditions up here less humid, um, we yeah. should um, we should be able to make a pretty good product. The problem with making salamis is you've got to be able you've got to understand the colors of the my understanding colors of the molding as they come on as they tell you different things about what's going on with it. And colorblind, so I'm gonna just be able to worried <laughs> I'm going to eat rotten sausage, um, which is not ideal for, for what we want to do. But no. uh, Mark, going back to your your comments a minute ago about um, doing different things with the with the animal and and, and getting used to it,
0: um, being able to
1: make those chops.
0: I'm that writing center, that down. I'm going to make that's that's a, a, a <laughs> rotten sausage. That's a that's a target for two twenty twenty four yeah Yeah, um, getting and making small goods yeah do it oh well i
2: think gents i think um jen's probably wants to get ready for uh for his trip tomorrow to Nundal. um anything else before we wrap up for the night
0: no i think we're about there I'm, i'm i'm look i'm really keen to see how you go that's for sure um i'm sure other people are too uh it's a forest that you know draws a lot of attention so it'd be interesting to see what it's like this time of year um, and and what, what animal sign is moving around because it probably give you a good indicator of what's coming.
2: Have either of mm. you actually been to Nundle in December? In December. No. no. Not December. So, no. So, so Should be interesting. Mm, yeah, should be. Mm. Cool. Well, let us know how you go, mate. We're, we're going to be eagerly awaiting the updates.
1: No doubt. I've got my spotlight ready. Oh, no, you're not allowed to use it. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're out. Just,
2: just don't jump the fence, that's all.
0: There yeah, you go. Uh, I'm going to end it with a um, a, a joke. Oh, good. Um, What do you get if you cross goat DNA with human DNA? I don't know, but you should lose your R licence over it. That's a terrible joke. All right, I think we should end on that note. On oh, that one, we're out of here. Okay. <laughs> See you. guys. Thank you very much. See you.